We be saying no, 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 when it's really yes, 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 yes. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Fem Phenom podcast. My name is Angela, and this is episode six. So today's episode is dedicated to my younger self who didn't really have a lot of adult resources to go to on and ask advice on topics such as sex and dating and college and friends and drugs and credit and made a lot of mistakes because I just, because I had a trial and error relationship with a lot of these subjects and had to really find my own way through each of these things. And I have had conversations with several young people recently and also parents recently who have teenagers and young adults who are starting to participate in some of these things and are finding their own way through and starting to make some of their own mistakes. And I kind of have the feeling that perhaps some of these young people don't feel like maybe they do have adults that they can come to, but they either don't know how to ask this of adults because they feel like there's this wall of discipline that stands between them and their parents or them and their mentors where they're not going to give them the advice on if you do it, this is what you should look out for. This is how you should proceed with caution. It's more so the advice will more so be don't do it. Don't do drugs. Don't have sex. Don't fuck up your credit. But nobody tells you how to participate in these things in a manner that is self-serving or not self-serving, but in a manner that protects you where you can still explore some of your curiosities about these things in a safe way and in a safe space. So this episode will be auntie advice for some, but for me, it is more so a letter to my younger self. And I do want to give a heads up to those who are more conservative, who just don't really believe that young people should be uh, participating in sex or partaking in drugs or uh, not going to college uh, or, you know, doing anything outside of what their conservative ideals are. If you are that person, turn this podcast off right now and go do something else. Don't even get yourself riled up continuing to listen because a lot of things that I'm going to say are going to rub you the wrong way. So my suggestion is to stop listening here and to go listen to something else and enjoy the rest of your day. Um, and so now with fair warning, I will jump right into the first topic, which is dating. A young person I know hit me up recently uh with questions about prom they sent me two photos of two potential prom dates and asked me who I thought was cuter they were trying to choose who they should go to prom with and I immediately let them know that they were looking at it the wrong way I said you want to have the night that you've envisioned as far as prom goes so with that in mind you want to not choose who's cuter because cuter will disappoint you because whoever you think is cute, most likely other people at your school also think is cute and they will be getting other offers. You want to go with who likes you more 
who is more interested in you, who cares more about you, because that person is going to go out of their way to ensure that you have a great night. That's who you need to go with. Cute will have you at Waffle House by yourself or at Waffle House with your friends, dateless, because cute ran off with who they really wanted to go with, or cute caught somebody else's eye, and maybe you weren't going to put out, or you weren't going to go with what they wanted to do that night, so they ditched you. That's what cute will do. So don't go for cute, kids. <laughs> go for, cause, go for, find a balance if you can. If there's someone who is cute, who is also nice, who is also humble, who is also thoughtful, go with that person. Or go with the person who is cute to you. They don't have to be cute to everybody else. They could go with the person who is kind of flies under the radar, who don't go with the star athlete or the one who the most handsome or most beautiful person in your class because that person is already getting the attention of a lot of other people and that is going to get to their heads in a lot of ways. Go with, always keep in mind when dating or specifically for an event like prom, keep in mind what you want to get out of it. Be self-serving. If you want to have the time of your life, if you want to have an excellent night, if you want to have something you can look back on and remember fondly, go with whatever serves you. Go with whoever is going to ensure that you have a great night. Now, don't be a jerk about it. Don't be manipulative and, you know, try to exploit this person or spend all their money. Or if you're not going to pay for my this, that, and the third, if you're not going to pay for my hair, my haircut or my, to, for me to get my hair done or for me to get my nails done or for my outfit, then I'm not going. Don't abuse a person's kindness. Don't manipulate people. But when you're thinking about if you have options and you're trying to choose between a couple of people, go with the person who likes you more. Because that person is going to make sure that you have a great time. When I was growing up, my, ma- my mom always said that you want to date someone, when you're dating, date someone who likes you more than you like them. That way the pendulum will always swing towards you. And at the time, I really didn't understand it. But I have come to realize that it is helpful in relationships uh, to be with someone who cares about you just a little more than you care about them because they're going to look out for your interest and they're going to care about your heart in a way that a person who likes you less won't. If a person knows that you like them more, then they will expect you to stick around when they fuck up and when they manipulate you and when they abuse you and when they cheat on you. They expect you to still stick around because they do care about you and they want you to be there, but they also are mindful of the fact that you care more. It's one of those things that people don't even really discuss, but that you can tell. You can just tell by the effort that a person puts out. You can tell by the the, the way that you they hold your attention or you hold their attention. You can just tell who is more invested and as it relates to dating in your youth, date who likes you more. Go with the person who is a little bit under the radar. Go with the person who is not attention-seeking. Go with the person who is of great character, who is considerate, who is thoughtful, 
who shows up for you when you need them, who makes an effort to put a smile on your face, who makes an effort to check on you to see how you're doing, who is not only reaching out to you when they need something, but is just just wants to know how your day was. That's the person you want to go to prom with. Not the fool who everybody else wants to go with or the chick who has 12 people asking her to go to prom. That's not who you want to go with. That person is going to disappoint you because that person has an agenda of their own and they may end up ditching you at some point during the night. So beyond prom, as it relates to dating, have fun. So many young people I notice are dating for forever. Like they're dating with the intention of finding their forever. You're 16. Forever is a long way off. Whoever you're dating at 16 is not likely who you'll be dating at 17, but certainly not who you'll be dating forever. So get it out of your mind that you're going to meet the love of your life at 16, 17, 18, 22, 25. It is not likely going to happen. These are the people you are dating basically to filter out what you do and don't want, what you are and aren't comfortable with. You don't know that in the time because a lot of times we get so disillusioned with why isn't it working? I just want things to be right. I remember praying, praying for the people that I dated when I was younger to get their shit together or praying for it to work out. It was never intended to work out. I should have never in all honestly dated a lot of these people, but I was disillusioned like many young people are today into thinking that I had to be on a mission to find my soulmate, to find my partner, to find my husband. And that's just not realistic. One, soulmates don't have to be a romantic partner. Your soulmate can be anyone who is like-minded with you, who is interested in the same things you're interested with, who interested in, who gravitates to the things you gravitate towards, who is similarly minded. A soulmate does this whole illusion that we have that a soulmate is our spouse or is our one true love. It's just crap. It's not true. A soulmate can be a friend. It could be a relative. It could be a mentor. It could be a colleague. It could be someone you've never met. It could be someone who just draws you you're drawn to their energy or you both are drawn to the same energies of life or the same concepts or the same uh interests or ideas a soulmate does not need to be your romantic partner beyond that you do not need to be fishing for your husband wife etc at 16 17 22 25 you should just be having fun and with that said, I am a huge proponent for dating abundantly. Dating one person is for the birds. When you date one person, you again subscribe to the notion that some at some point this one person could be the person you're supposed to end up with. If you date for fun and you have one person you date 
who you hang out with and watch movies with. You have another person you date who's very interested in sports and the way that you are and you guys go to sporting events together. You have another person you date who's outdoorsy and they appeal to your outdoors interests. So you guys maybe go on camping trips together with your families. You have another person you date who's very academic who loves to study or who loves to learn new things. And maybe you you both exchange different books or articles that you've read with one another. You have another person you date who loves to travel. You have another person you date who you guys both love the same band or musician. Dating should be fun. Dating should be an exploration of life. It should not be made out to be so serious in that I have to find my partner. This one person has to encapsulate everything I love about life. And, and if they don't, I've got to somehow convince them to love what I love or I've got to move on to someone else and try to find that other one person who just loves everything I love. No one person is necessarily going to check every box on your list. You, once you are ready to partner, and I believe that, that, that young people shouldn't even think about partnering until they're in their 30s. I am not an advocate for getting married in your 20s or earlier. I think your youth and your 20s are meant for you to find yourself, to find out who you are, to travel, to expose yourself to as many cultures, to as many aspects of this world and this universe as you can not to be on a mission to find someone else to fill all those gaps for you there is someone doing landscaping outside so if you hear that in the background <laughs> it is really loud on my end I'm hoping the mic cancels some of it some of it out for you guys but I just want to make that note right here because they are going at it with the weed whacker or trimmer or whatever they're using but Back to what I was saying, dating is not, dating in your, in your teens and in your 20s shouldn't be about this mission to find your soulmate. It should just be about having fun. And this probably is a good time to really define what dating is. Dating is just going out and getting to know people. Dating is not about sex. It's not about sleeping with people. It's not about any kind of physical exchange necessarily dating is just about having outings getting to know people and it really disappoints me that young men are encouraged to date far and wide but women are encouraged to partner you know young girls are not encouraged to date several guys it's always like well who are you dating do you have a boyfriend this whole boyfriend girlfriend ridiculousness is really disserving to young women because boys are encouraged to have several girls they're talking to or if even even if they're not encouraged if it's exposed that they are dating several girls it's celebrated in a lot of regards but with a girl if a girl is doing the same one most likely she's not brave enough to tell people but two if she is called out or exposed is like she's a whore because she's oh my gosh she's going out with all of these boys what is she doing when she doesn't necessarily have to be having sex with all or any of these boys so I just need us as a society especially those of us who are 
more intellectual, more woke, more aware to really encourage young ladies to date for fun, date for fun, date to explore the world in a sense, to explore yourself in a sense. You learn the more you date, the more you learn about yourself. And dating does not need to be about partnership in your teens and in your 20s. Moving right along to parents. Uh, I remember vividly going to my grandmother, complaining about my mother as a teenager. And I remember my grandmother saying something that has stayed with me throughout my life. And what she said was, your mother is your best friend, you just don't know it. And I contested that for a very long time. In fact, when she said it, I said, Grandma, that lady is not my friend. (laughs) She does not even love me. (laughs) At the time, I was upset with her. And I really couldn't see... I really couldn't understand what my grandmother was trying to say, but she planted a seed in me that day, and I was able to allow that seed to manifest as I got older. And I can see now how a lot of young people don't see the resource that they have in their parents because they see their parents in a very linear, singular way. They're my parent. They're the disciplinarian. They are... My they provide you know with the things that I need for life. They don't really see their parents as a resource at, or as a human being who happens to have kids. You happen to be their kid, but they have a very full life outside of you. They only see their parents as it relates to their own interactions with them. So I only consider what my parents do for a living as it relates to the life they provide for me. I only consider my parents' relationships as it relates to how it affects me, if they're still married to my my other parent or if they're married to someone who I like or who treats me nicely. Like you really filter your parents' existence through your own in a way that's disserving as a kid. And your, your parents have an entire identity outside of you. They are a fully functioning person in the same way that you are so a lot of the interests that you have your parents have just in a different way and in different space they're a little older so maybe their tastes are more advanced than yours but they still are interested in a lot of things that you're interested in they're interested in the arts they're interested in sports they're interested in love they're interested in travel just in a different realm and in in a different space than you are um so try to Keep in mind that your parents have an entire existence outside of you. I didn't really realize that until I was in my early 20s. And I still find myself forgetting it now when I talk to my mom because I am so used to her being in the mom role that I often forget that she's a woman. She's a wife. She, for a long time, was a professional. She's retired now. So her existence is not solely linked to being my mother. She has an entire existence within that, you know, aside from that. And, you know, within that, she is multifaceted. She has a slew of interest and things that are affecting her on a day to day that have nothing to do with her being my mother. And 
I have to remind myself of that when I get selfish and start being critical of some of her decisions or even some of some of the advice she gives me or of some of her, you know, if I call her and she's in a bad mood, I'm like, how dare she? How dare she be in a bad mood when I need her? <laughs> and that's just so ridiculous. So keep in mind that your parents are dealing with their own, are managing their own identity at the same time that they are juggling all of the variables that they have to keep in balance to be a good parent to you. In addition to that, be mindful of the fact that your parents want the best for you. Most parents want the best for their kill, their children. There are some crappy parents out there who are just negligent, and but we're not talking about them. I'm talking about the parents who are present and who are making effort and showing up for you every day. They want the best for you. Sometimes they don't know how to communicate that. Sometimes... They get distracted by a lot of other things that they're having to manage in order to be present and to, or in order to provide the things that they need to provide for you. But at the root of everything, parents want the best for you. That is not always exhibited in their advice or in what they say and do, but they do want the best for you. They want you to have a better life than they had. And a lot of times they are consumed with that and so they can't really hear what you're saying in the moment or can't really offer the advice that you feel like you might need in the moment because they're looking at the big picture you're looking at right now you want to have a good day today mom I need this field trip to go well I need you to remember all the details of what you're supposed to do today for my field trip she is looking at your whole life she is making decisions today to make sure that your life 20 years from now will be secured, will be good. So cut your parents some slack and also realize that your parents are not exposed to or not aware of a lot of the things that you are aware of as well. In this age of tech that we live in, you are being exposed as a teenager and as a young adult, you're being exposed every day to new concepts that your parents have never been exposed to and probably won't even be aware of for another five to 10 years. So be mindful of that, be compassionate of that, Try to introduce your parents to or share with your parents the things that you're learning on a day to day as it relates to society and tech and, you know, just being aware of the advancements in our world. Try to do your best to share those things with your parents in the same way that you're DMing or texting your friends or tweeting your friends about new things that are happening around the world. Share those things with your parents to keep them abreast so that they don't become dated, so that they're not falling behind. Um, and also keep in mind when you're discussing certain things with your parents that they're not privy to a lot of the details that you're privy to with tech and with resources in mind. There are things that you're aware of. You know, you can start a business today from your phone. Your parents existed in a realm where phones didn't exist at one point in their life. So the fact that you can now, they're telling you to get a job and you're working on a startup company that you're developing from your phone or from your computer and they're not necessarily supportive of it, help them wrap their mind around the fact that you have these resources instead of just, you know, lumping them in this pile of old farts who just don't get it. Help them to understand so that, because they want to support you. And if it's something that, 
can allow you to make an excellent life for yourself or make advancements for the world or change the world in a lot of ways, help them to wrap their minds around it. Um, because they probably have created their own outline of steps you should take towards success. And so as you take steps outside of that, be cognizant of the fact that they don't realize that there are alternate routes to success, that these alternate routes exist, but they also have to reconcile the fact that you are stepping outside of what they had in mind for you and give them the space to do that. Moving on, uh, I think this is a good segue to talk about college and drugs. First, college. I'll keep it simple. If what you want to do in life requires you to go to college and, and get a degree and get certifications, then by all means do it. Try to incur as little debt as you can. Go somewhere that is going to offer you as much financial aid as possible. A college name does not hold the weight that you think it does. It's about networking, building relationships, and learn and 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 <clears throat> and fine-tuning your skill fine-tuning your output. At the end of the day, if you step into a room of Ivy Leaguers and you can do the job better than any of them can do, it doesn't matter what school you went to. You can do this job. Now, another... In addition to that, it's always great to have affiliations that can help to secure that bag for you. So if you're a part of an organization and these organizations, fraternities, sororities, they exist at... All you know, most most universities and colleges. So you don't need to necessarily go to the a Harvard or a Stanford or a Yale to be affiliated with people who did go to those schools. You can join organizations that will offer you those affiliations, but do not go into debt going to college. We are living in an age of chronic college debt. So I myself am a victim of that. I incurred $80,000 in debt to go to a school that had a great name, that had, a, had great academic programs, but I did not approach it in a strategic way and didn't have people around me to encourage me to approach college in a strategic manner. So I have all this, this debt and a liberal arts degree. Uh, what? Yes, a liberal arts degree. <laughs> but... The, again, trial and error. That's what I went through without having the support of knowledgeable mentors. So do not incur a bunch of debt trying to go to a school that has a big name. There are so many grant and scholarship programs and financial aid programs that are out there that have been set up by nonprofits and philanthropists and academic programs within that university or college. Do not incur debt where you don't have to to get a college degree. Don't do it. Also, if you want to do something, if you have an interest or a skill or a craft that doesn't require you to go to college, then go straight at what you want to do. Experience speaks volumes over a piece of paper. If you have already been in the field, if you have already been on the ground doing the work, then I can bring you in and employ you're actually more desirable to an employer. One, a college degree requires them to pay more, but two, I don't have to 
I don't have to invest as much time to training you to do this job. You already know how to do it. So and you can come in the door and hit the ground running as opposed to this college graduate who has a degree from et cetera university who needs to be trained for six months to do the job decently. But you can come in and excel because you've been doing this job for two, three, four years. The four years that they spent in college, you've been on the ground learning how to do the work. So if there is something that you know how to do that doesn't require, require a college degree and doesn't require certifications, then get in the field and do it. With that said, college is a great experience. College is definitely a finishing school of sorts. Not a finishing school, but college really, for me, despite the debt, college allowed me to have four years, undergrad at least, was four years of self-discovery of me. You really meet people from all over the world. I came to college from a small town in Central Florida, went to college in Miami, very international city, extremely diverse. I met people from every part of this world, people who looked like me, who spoke, who didn't, who spoke several languages, people who didn't look like me, who were from corners of the world that I had never heard of. That experience, being immersed with peers who I didn't even know existed was an invaluable experience. So as, as far as the socialization that college offers, I absolutely support that. And I also, in that vein, support living on campus for your entire college education. There is something to be said about the immersive experience of being on campus versus being off. I moved off campus my junior year because I couldn't afford to pay the room and board anymore. It was, and it, I thought at the time that it would be more cost effective to get an apartment. I was wrong, but again, trial and error. But I did notice when I moved off campus, I was less exposed to what was happening on campus. I didn't have my finger on the pulse of what was going on on campus anymore. When I lived on campus, you would get a text at 10 p.m. that said there's a probate show happening in 30 minutes at the School of Communications. And you just slip on your shoes, hit up your friends, All we all link up and walk over together. Or there's a free screening of the new blockbuster movie, whatever the movie was, not blockbuster the company, but the new big movie that's coming out. Our campus would screen, they would get pre-screenings of films. And so I remember we saw um, M. Night Shyamalan's, what is the, what was the movie? Not, uh, I can't remember the name of it now, but I remember we saw one of his films uh, on our campus for our pre, uh, during a pre-screening on campus. We also saw Sixth Sense when it came out. This is, I'm telling my age now because I'm telling you how, what year I was in college by, by revealing the name of these films. But those kind of things I really stepped out of and, and lost when I moved off campus because I wasn't really exposed to a lot of the things that were happening on campus that would be uh, promoted by word of mouth. And so I would find myself, even sometimes my friends would hit me up and try to tell me those things were still happening when I first moved off campus all of my friends still lived on campus at the time. Um, they would text me, and because I lived 20 minutes from campus. So I'm like, eh, I'm not driving back to go to a probate show. I'm not driving back to go to a movie. I'm at home. I can watch a movie here. I'm cool. I'll watch it when it comes out in theaters. But I really lost that connection to 
my college atmosphere. I became this student who commuted. Like the, uh, I felt like a, it, I just really felt like I had stepped away from or removed myself from the experience that I had when I lived on campus and I missed that. I really did miss it. So I would encourage you to stay on campus freshman through senior year. There is definitely an invaluable experience that you get from being on campus. And I know it's hard to stay past junior and senior year because you're getting older. You're starting to look for jobs. You're starting to look for internships. You don't want to deal with the roommate bullshit. You don't want to deal with the shared bathroom bullshit. You don't want to deal with the cramped space bullshit that dorms, you know, come with, but it's worth it. Because when you graduate, you will get your own place. You will have that off-campus experience. But while you're still studying, it is just more advantageous to be on campus. You just have access, direct access to all the resources that your college or university offers when you are on campus. It's worth it. Stay. Moving along, let's dive into drugs. Or actually, let's dive into friends first, because my nieces and nephews uh, regularly vent to me about their friends. And this is one bit of advice. The first thing I always tell them is, one, stop giving such relevance to your peers in middle school and high school. First of all, when you're an adult, you will hardly interact with most of these people you might keep in touch with one or maximum two of these people so the fact that you allow them to consume your thoughts and consume your day and dictate your mood in middle school and high school is completely what's the word I'm looking for here it's completely voluntary You are allowing them, you're choosing to allow them to consume you. You don't have to. These people do not play a huge role in your life as it, in in the grand scheme of your life. So the fact that you allow them to disrupt your whole moods. And even, you know, when I hear stories about like uh, this young boy, Nigel, who, uh, had came who was being teased about being gay and committed suicide the fact that this child was so tormented that he took his life because of what some punk ass children were 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 doing to him in middle school and high school is so fucking disheartening it's so sad you don't you can't see it yet and you don't know it yet as a teenager but these people will not matter to you when you leave this school. I promise you they won't. I felt the same way. Your parents felt the same way. Every adult around you felt the same way when they were in school. Teasing has always existed. Bullying has always existed. Though social media has not always existed, the the concepts that social media exasperates existed we were bullied, we were teased, we were tortured. It wasn't immortalized on social media the way it is now. So, But you still couldn't hide from it. The whole school would be rumbling about every little thing. And so you were, you were stuffed into a locker or someone was waiting for you after school to beat you up. I remember having fights being scheduled. I was a fighter in school. 
And I became a fighter because people would tease me and taunt me. And I figured out that I'm going to have to start cracking some heads in order for them to realize that I'm not the one. So I can remember there was a bully (laughs) at my school growing up. Her name was Octavia. And I don't know where Octavia is now. Octavia Sims. Those of you who are listening who went to school with me know exactly who I'm talking about. Octavia was a bully from from elementary school all the way through high school and she would instigate fights just it seemed like just to entertain herself she just liked being the center of attention for some reason now I can see how it was it was uh it was relative or it was reflective of her insecurity because Octavia was very overweight she was obese from a very young age and so her claim to fame was being a bully being popular by way of being a bully and by instigating crap. And I remember Octavia would organize fights. Octavia, so my best friend, someone who ended up being my best friend uh, in middle school and high school named LaTroy, Octavia in summer school one year arranged for me and LaTroy to fight each other. We had never even met. She was only, she knew, she didn't, her and I didn't go to the same elementary school. But she had come to my school for a summer program that was only offered at my school. So she was being bussed in with other kids from other schools to attend this summer program that was hosted at my elementary school, my home elementary school. One day at lunch, Octavia is getting my attention and pointing to LaTroy. And I didn't understand what she was saying, but she's clearly trying to get me to see who this person is. And so I, you know, shrug it off. And then later in class, she, she comes to tell me that LaTroy has been talking all this crap about me and I need to shut her up. She's organizing a fight for her own pleasure. LaTroy and I have never met. LaTroy has not uttered my name, but she has convinced both of us that we need to fight each other, that we don't like each other and that we've been talking crap about each other. So later she tells me that she's going to get her, She's going to get her to come out of class and we could meet in the hallways to basically uh, square up, like settle whatever's going on. I was like, I don't even know what's going on, but whatever. Later in the afternoon, Octavia asked the teacher to go to the bathroom. She leaves the classroom and circles back, back in the, I don't know if classrooms still have the doors where you could see into the class. It's like a glass panel on the door where you could see in. But I noticed minutes later that Octavia's at the window where the teacher can't see her telling me to come out of class. So I ignore her at first. And then she starts making all these faces, insisting that I come out. And I'm like, I don't want to deal with this girl. I just want her to leave me alone. So I asked the teacher to go to the bathroom. We walk down the hall and LaTroy's coming out of the bathroom. When Octavia was like, well, here she is. And <laughs> I remember Octavia, I remember LaTroy saying, who is this? And Octavia said, it's Angela. And she was like, I don't know this girl. <laughs> and Octavia goes, this is, you said you wanted to fight Angela. You couldn't stand, remember you said you couldn't stand her and you were going to uh, punch her in the face and all these things you said, all the things that Octavia had told me. Latroy was like, I don't know her. That's not who I was talking about. I was talking about a girl named Angela. She's like, your name's Angela? And I said, yeah. And she goes, do people call you Angie? And I said, no. 
she was like i don't know you this is not who i'm talking about i'm talking about another girl this is not her i'm sorry i don't know what happened here and we all just left shook our heads left octavia was the most disappointed out of all three of us because she had just been stewing all day to see a damn fight so later i don't remember what i think that might have been like fourth grade summer school of fourth grade maybe going to fifth Later in middle school, when LaTroy and I ended up being in a homeroom together, we became best friends. And over the years, we have laughed our butts off at the fact that our initial, the first time we met was uh, on the premise of an arranged fight that Octavia had set up. Anyway, I said all that to say that my advice to young people who are dealing with peer pressure and who are dealing with bullying and who are dealing with uh, classmates who are not so nice and are, are cultivating an environment of fear and of insecurity, these people will not be relevant to you in your adult life. You will not remember them. A lot of them will go nowhere and do nothing. And I also always remind young people that whoever peaks in high school, it is not a good thing to peak in high school. If you peak in high school, then that is really an indication that you're not going to be shit. Okay. If you're peaking in middle school and high school, if you're at the prime, if you're the most popular person at school in high school, you are not likely to go on and do anything with your freaking life. At least that's been my observation. The people who were popular in middle school and popular in elementary school and popular in high school, who everybody loved and everybody knew, and certainly the bullies, they didn't go on to do shit. So take solace in the fact that whoever is bullying you is not likely to go on and do any damn thing with their life. They are not likely to be anything. They don't have any interest. They don't have a support system. They often are being neglected at home, and that's why they're so consumed with being popular at school is to distract from the fact that their life is pretty miserable and they're pretty insecure on their own, but they don't want to expose their own insecurities. So they developed this, this image and this reputation of popularity or being through being a bully. So do not allow yourself to be consumed with or caught up with the, the what bullies are saying and what other kids are saying. These kids will not matter. Just look at a look at your graduation date as a countdown. Look at that as a finish line of sorts to be done with a lot of these idiots who you didn't have a choice to go to school with because your county and the school system decided that you all needed to go to this particular school to meet the numbers of that for diversity for that school to get funding or for whatever reason for that school to get funding. You do not, these are not necessarily your peers as it relates to intellect, as it relates to interests. When you go to college, you'll meet your peers at college and college. I don't remember there being a whole lot of bullying at college because everybody at college is more concerned with like, I'm trying to study uh, figure out what the hell I want to study, figure out what the hell I want to do with my life. There's not a whole lot of bullying. I don't remember, in fact, there being any bullying at in my undergraduate studies. There were people who definitely were popular, but I don't remember there being a bullying. People would talk crap and have things to say, but you really can't bully somebody when you're an adult. Like, you don't affect my life. I don't even have to see you. We often don't. You don't really even have classes together because everyone is taking various fields of study. So, 
bullying will really dismantle itself after high school. Do not allow the bullies to win. Don't give them the satisfaction of bowing out. Come with your head held high every day and really utilize your resources. Utilize the adults around you. Utilize the resources at your school. If that means going to the principal's office or to the administrator's office every day to report what is happening to you, then do it. If that means creating a paper trail with your school counselor to make a record of the fact that you're being intimidated or being bullied, then do it. But don't allow them to win by causing yourself self-harm by bowing out of your existence because of them, by taking your own life, by even by trading schools. Fuck the bullies. And you just look at your finish line, which is I'm getting the hell out of here. Or I'm, you just keep your, be, be consumed with what you want to do. If you have a project that you're working on, if you have an app that you're working on, if you have and an invention that you're working on, if you have a field of study that you work on, become, start investing yourself more in what you want to do and in what your interests are. And that will take your mind off of the bullying. Start enrolling yourself or talking to your parents about extracurricular programs that you can enroll yourself, that you can become enrolled in. Talk to them about summer programs or, or partnerships that, local businesses are doing or maybe there is a uh internship or um a seminar that google is hosting in your city or in a neighboring city that you can go to that's you know going to train you in coding or us ux design or anything maybe there there's a author who you really love who's going to be doing a book signing and a reading in a, at a local bookstore. Like keep your mind focused on things that interest you, that light you up, that light a fire in you and not in people that try to drag you down to their level. People who try to make you feel like you're not worthy. You are worthy. You are special. You are somebody and they can see the fact that they're not going anywhere. So they feel like they got to make a name for themselves right now at 12. <laughs> Don't give them the satisfaction. Move uh, beyond that. When it comes to friends be what you want to have. You know uh, how it goes. To be a friend, to have friends, you have to be a friend. So exhibit the qualities of character that you want to have in your friends. If you want friends you can trust, be someone who can be trusted. If you want friends you can fight in, be someone who can be confided in. If you want friends who listen, start listening more. If you want friends who are resourceful, who lift you up, who encourage you, then do the same for them. Keep your circle small and intimate and and also keep your secrets close to the vest. Don't wear your feelings on your sleeve as in a way that allows people to manipulate you because they know what your triggers are. Be pri be more private, you know, don't let don't tell everybody your business because a lot of a lot of t kids will use it to hurt you use it to manipulate you tell other people to get into certain crowds that they want to be in they will use it against you so be cautious about who you share your secrets with also um 
Just realize that everyone who you call a friend, be cautious about who you call your friend. Everyone is not your friend. Everyone who you think is your friend is not really your friend. There, I'm sure you have already seen that on some levels. People who you were super tight with last year, who you come back this year, and they on a whole nother scene. They have a whole, whole nother interest. They're running with a whole different crowd. And you're like, man, what happened to you? They're just, it, it, you're in a time of life where, it's these are your formative years in a lot of ways and at 12 maybe you're interested in dinosaurs and I know that sounds very trivial but I'm just trying to draw some quick examples here maybe you're interested in dinosaurs at 12 and you have a friend who's also interested in that and both of you think that you're going to go to school and be archaeologists but you come back from summer and at 13 this person is more interested in fashion and in pop culture and in trends and you're just like what the and they think dinosaurs are lame and they're not they don't give a damn about archaeology they might circle back to it they might it might just be a phase or they might just have outgrown some interests so be less married to who you think your friends are because friends are ever evolving and my mother also gave me a great note about friends um when I was young and I have carried it with me through life and she said what she said was if you have one friend one real friend in your entire life you're lucky and that is true word than I could have ever imagined it to be and I've been lucky enough to have several really good of character strong never fading friends and I consider myself very lucky but this 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 illusion that you've got to have this circle of friends and we're going to be like uh, I don't know what the pop culture references are for kids these days, but you're watching films and you're thinking, oh, me and my friends are going to be like that group or we're going to be like the Rat Pack or we're going to be like Boys in the Hood or we're going to be like uh, the kids on the shy or we're going to be like uh, whatever re- whatever references you're making that don't try to cast your life alongside a fictional depiction of friendship. If you have one good friend, you're lucky. You are lucky, and maybe that friend isn't a peer. Maybe it's, you know, some, sometimes friends can be relatives. Sometimes, you know, like my, your grandparent can be your best friend or your uncle or aunt or cousin. You know, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be a peer. It doesn't have to be a classmate at school. Um, but if there is somebody, try to look for people who are like-minded, who are interested in what you're interested in, who don't care about what the masses are doing, but, and, and people who are trustworthy and people who, this is a thing. Keep in mind too, as it relates to friends, that whatever they are doing and saying with you is what they're doing and saying with other people. So my grandmother would have this thing. She said, uh, uh, that goes, that I think it went a dog, bring a bone, a dog, take a bone. And basically what she was saying was if someone comes to you with gossip, they're taking whatever you share with them and taking it to somebody else as gossip. So be mindful of the, those who come and tell you everybody else's business. They're also going to take your business and tell it. So if someone comes around you and they're just volunteering other people's private information, don't tell them anything about you. Because they're going to do the same thing with whatever information you give them 
as it relates to your life, they're going to take that and run with it. I wouldn't even let that person come to my house because they're going to look around your house and say, oh, let's see what they have. And let's see what their room looks like. And let's see what cars their parents drive. And let's see what their parents do for a living. And let me see what kind of stuff they have in their refrigerator. And let me see what their you know closet looks like. And they're going to take that and any information they can get about you, they're going to take it and run and tell it to anyone who will listen. So be cautious of people who volunteer information without you asking, who just offer up other people's secrets. If they'll offer up other people's business and secrets, they will offer yours up as well. A dog bring a bone, a dog take a bone. So now we can get into uh, drugs. See, I came up in the D.A.R.E. program under Nancy Reagan, you know, say no to drugs. <laughs> I don't even remember what D.A.R.E. stood for. Let me look it up. What did D.A.R.E. stand for? Okay, Google says it stands for Drug Abuse Resistance Education. And it was an education program that seeks to prevent the use of controlled drugs, membership in gangs, and violent behavior. Ha. (laughs) I remember when the D.A.R.E. program rolled out, I was in elementary school, and I remember they would have kids from high school come and give us T-shirts and bumper stickers and talk to us about saying no to drugs and we see how well that went but (laughs) um this is my thought as it relates to drugs I also remember being in in middle school and them um packaging marijuana as a gateway drug and now that I'm 35 I will tell you that those stick the stigmas that are affixed to certain drugs are true for some people for some people marijuana is a gateway drug when they try it and that high opens the floodgates for them to want to see what other highs are like um and I think you need to be mindful of whether or not you have an addictive nature or an addictive personality because you if you if you recognize that you are the type of person who is addictive as it relates to things that you try and you're not able to really find a balance or do things in moderation, then you should definitely avoid drugs. Just avoid them altogether because they're not going to be helpful or aid you in achieving what you want out of life. But I also realized that I think I was, I didn't try weed until I was 29. I remember saying, I don't want to turn 30. I have never tried weed because I bought into, I was very religious at one point in time. And then I also bought into this whole idea that, you know, I believed a lot of the propaganda as I see it now that was fed to me as it related to drugs. I also grew up being familiar with drug addicts and so I assume that every drug I cast every drug under the same into the same pile I consider weed to be the same as crack to be the same as heroin I you know when you see people who are going to rehab and who are sticking needles in their arm who are living on the street and who are selling their belongings and their loved ones belongings for drugs I really just just packaged all drugs as the same and so I just saw the extreme of drug addiction and really uh, identify that to be something that I didn't want any part of. And so I didn't want to partake in any drugs. I didn't even, you know, I at one point believed alcohol was a drug. 
Um, but here is my advice to young people who are, because first of all, I don't even think young people are necessarily going to come to adults or care what adults have to say about drugs. My advice would be this, though, because I definitely have a niece who, or have nieces and young people who I know who definitely uh, smoke weed. And I'm not critical of that because I really don't think that weed is harmful. I don't, I think that marijuana, it will be legalized countrywide, nationwide very soon. And for good reason, weed is very uh, helpful medically and also psychologically. Um, So with that said, I will say this, be smart, be in a safe environment when you decide to try a drug, be it weed or whatever it is you try, stay away from the hard shit. Don't try heroin. Don't go popping pills. You don't know what a pill, in, you know, pills are synthesized. Pills are created in labs. You don't know what's in a pill. So popping a pill, you know, I know, every, you know, Molly is a thing. And, you know, there's lots of uh, pills that people are popping socially. I would be, le- I'm leery of chopping. Tra- popping pills because I don't know what's in it. Weed is natural. It's from the earth. I can see it. I can see the bud. I can smell it. I can pretty much identify if it's been laced with something for the most part. If it's been contaminated, you're look, I'm looking at an herb. So if you have sprinkled some Coke or something over it, I can see that. And I know my, my sensor, my senses are going to tell me something has, you know, gone awry here. Something has been contaminated here, but with pills, a pill looks like a Molly pill looks like an aspirin. How do you know? You don't know what's in it. And so by the time it hits your system, if it has been laced, if it is, if it has been contaminated with something that you might have an adverse reaction to, it's, you won't find out until your body starts reacting. I ain't got time for that. I'm not paying, playing Russian roulette when it comes to just trying to be social and have a good time or trying to relax or trying to party. I'm not playing Russian roulette with my life and popping a random ass pill that somebody handed me with no labeling. I don't know where it came from. I don't know what's in it. I'm just not that girl. I'm not doing it. And I, I, I am not a supporter of people trying random shit. So stay away from the hardcore stuff. Stay away from the heroin. If the needle's involved, run. If a pill is involved, I wouldn't do it. It's just not worth it. There are other things that you can have fun with and you can enjoy without having to put yourself in a compromising position. With that said, go slow. You don't, when it's your first time trying something and we're still going to, you know, just keep it in the realm of marijuana. You don't want to, if you're, first of all, be in a safe environment, be somewhere where you can go to sleep, be at home, preferably. If your parents are advocates for the legalization of weed and if they partake in weed, go to them, tell them you're curious, ask them if they will show you how to smoke and show you how to, um, use marijuana in a safe and protected way. I, I'm pretty sure your parents would prefer for you to do it at home and be safe than you to be out with random people and smoking this. What is the, what is the, uh, I can't even think of the name of it right now. I remember there being, 
uh, a huge epidemic of kids smoking fake weed for a moment. I don't even remember what it's called right now, but maybe it'll come to me. But you don't even know what you're getting when you're in the street and somebody hands you something random. If it's one of your peers and they just got it from a random person, they don't know where it came from. They don't know what it, what it is. You could be smoking something that's not even real weed. And now you're fucked up running down the street because you've smoked some contaminated crap. So go to someone who you know and can trust someone who is a relative or a parent or a trustworthy adult who can show you how to safely partake in weed. Um, also, go slow. Don't try. You're not Snoop Dogg. You're not Wiz Khalifa. You're not Willie Nelson. Don't try to do what everybody else is doing. Just because the duchy comes, you know, I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, but when I was growing up, there was a song called Pass the Duchy. Just because the duchy come around don't mean you have to hit it. You could say no. You don't have to every time the every time the blunt comes around you don't have to smoke it that's something that I didn't know when I first started smoking I thought every time it came to me I had to hit it and I would get super duper high and be laid out somewhere that I didn't want to be laid out you do not have to do what everyone else is doing if you are just starting out Hit that shit once and say, I'm good and wait for it to kick in so you can see what it feels like. This is why I encourage you to do it with an adult that you can trust, a parent preferably. A lot of parents are smoking weed. Y'all even know y'all parents are smoking weed, but y'all are going and trying to try it for the first time with your friends. Why? Your friends are not looking out for you. They do not have your best interest in mind. They probably got some whack-ass Reggie anyway. Your parents are going to have, your parents, first of all, are not smoking crap. They're buying good quality shit because they're working. They have jobs so they can afford quality marijuana. Your friends are getting trash-ass weed that somebody had in a, in a bag next to their balls at the convenience store on the corner. You don't want that shit. With, excuse me. You don't want weed laced in ball juice from the corner store. You go and talk to your parents, tell them you're curious. And if they don't smoke, then talk to an uncle or aunt or another adult in the family. Somebody in your family smokes weed. I guarantee every family has people in it who smokes weed. Go to somebody in your, an adult in your family. They will show you the ropes. They will tell you what to look for. They will show you how to roll. They will show you what it should cost so you don't get ripped off if you try to buy it yourself. And somebody rips you off because you don't even know how much you're supposed to pay because you listen to your dumb ass friends. Do not let your friends be your advisor as it relates to drugs. One, don't do anything you're not comfortable with. If you don't want to get high, say I'm cool. You don't have to smoke and you don't have to pop pills and you don't have to do drugs because everybody else is doing it. You don't even have to drink. You go to a party, everybody's drinking, everybody's smoking. You don't have to do it. If you feel fine, say, I'm good. I'm straight. No one's going to say, here, you got to do it. You lame. Even if they do. Nah, man, I'm not. I just, I'm just good. I don't want to. I'm straight. You can, there is no rule that says that you have to do what everybody else at the party is doing. You don't. You can still kick it at the party and not do what other people are doing. Um, just say I'm good. I've been to plenty of parties as an adult and as a teenager and a kid where a lot of stuff was going on that I didn't want to participate in. I'm just, I'm cool. They asked me and people would move on. If you are confident and you let people know that I'm good, then nobody's going to be like, ah, you have to, or you have to leave. And if it does come, and if you are happen to be in a random ass scenario where someone does say, well, if you don't do it, you can't, you can't stay. All right, cool. My bad. I'm out. Y'all see y'all at school. You don't, don't do shit because if someone wants you to do something that bad, 
there's really something wrong with it. So I really wouldn't trust it if you're saying I can't stay, I can't hang out because I'm not doing it. Cool, I'm out. Because they're probably trying to set you up anyway. They're either trying to get you to take some lace shit or trying to set you up and rob you, rape you, take you somewhere and leave you stranded, embarrass you. If someone is pressed about you doing drugs and you said because and you say you don't want to and they're still pushing the issue, they have an ulterior motive. Get the fuck away from them. Call your Uber, call your parent, be out. Um, but if you were curious about weed, I'm telling this story because I know a young person who was curious and ended up smoking with their friends for the first time and don't, doesn't know what they smoked, ended up freaking out, getting paranoid, having to call their parents anyway to come and get them, thought they were dying, call 911. It was just a big mess. And at the end of the day, uh, I went to them and their parents went to them and was like, what the fuck? You know, we smoke. Why didn't you just ask us? We would have shown you what to do. We would have shown you how to be safe. Uh, I wasn't thinking. I didn't know. Okay. Well, that was your first mistake. <laughs> so that is my advice as it relates to drugs. You don't need to do drugs. Drugs do not make life better necessarily. But if you are curious about weed or et cetera, not the hard stuff. I'm never going to be an advocate for hard shit. I'm never going to be an advocate for acid, for heroin, for crystal meth, for crack, for coke. But even I'm not even an advocate for pills. I know people who are. But for weed and shrooms and alcohol, um, if you want to try it, I suggest you go to an adult you can trust. Let them know you're curious. Ask them if they will teach you or if they will show you how to safely partake in, in these social drugs. So the last note I have before sex, because I wanted to save sex for last, is credit. And I, I wanted to discuss this when I discussed college, because I can remember being on college campus. When you turn 18, you're going to get a lot of credit card applications in the mail. I suggest you throw all of them in the trash. Until you understand credit, do not get a credit card. It is a setup for failure. I remember being a freshman on a college campus and struggling to pay my tuition and cover all my expenses and not wanting to call home again because I didn't even know if my mother would be able to help me and working a, a work study job at school and counting down the days until I could get another, you know, go wait tables and get a job off campus so that I could supplement uh, my income and help to cover some of my expenses. And I remember there being credit card companies in the yard at my school with tables set up, giving away blankets and pillows and uh, game gear, like foam hands and shit for my school to get you to sign up for a credit card. Because at 18, you don't have any credit and no credit's better than bad credit. And so they will offer you a thousand dollar credit card Sign up and we'll give you this blanket or we'll give you this pillow. We'll give you this foam hand for it. Don't do it. Do not do it. It is a set up. One, if you never want to do something out of desperation, certainly not getting a credit card. Until you understand the ins and outs of credit, don't get a credit card. And you really need to take that very seriously because it is so easy to fuck up your credit and it will follow you for a long time. It is very hard to clean up your credit. So 
be hesitant about getting credit cards. If I would suggest you take several other routes before you get a credit card, get a part-time job, get a full-time job, call your family, start a small business, uh, whatever it may be, don't get a credit card. Because if you're getting a credit card out of desperation, you're probably not going to be able to pay it, make the regular payments, and you're going to slip down the slippery slope that most of us have slipped down and end up in a pit of bad credit for a long time. Uh, in addition to that, I want to say this because I remember making this mistake and a lot of people I went to school with making this mistake. When you graduate and you get your first job, first thing you want to do is buy a car. I want a nice car. I studied. I worked hard. I deserve this. I would suggest that you resist into this temptation and buy a piece of property before you buy your first car. That property will be an asset. Buy a small apartment. Buy a small home. Buy a plot of land. Buy something that is an asset and not a liability. A car is a liability, and I know it's shiny, and I know it looks nice, and I know you feel like you deserve it, and I know you worked hard, but buy something that will pay you back. Property will pay you back. Buy yourself a condo, a duplex, a triplex, a small apartment building because you are going the same credit that a bank will extend you to buy that car. A bank will will extend you to buy a piece of property, but they're not going to encourage you to do it. They're going to encourage you to get a credit card. They're, They're going to encourage you to buy a car, things that are liabilities. Be smart and buy a piece of property. Buy something that is going to have a residual payoff for you. Buy something that will be a a something that will have a return on investment something that will offer you a return on your investment like a piece of property or stock or something whatever it is that you discover but don't buy a car which is what most college graduates is your first purchase a car don't do it don't do it don't do it okay Last thing, sex. Uh, (laughs) I am going to assume that you have had the don't have sex talk, the abstain from sex talk, and the half protected sex use a condom talk. So I am going to go outside of that and give you the advice that I didn't get and that a lot of people haven't received, that I've talked to didn't receive as it relates to sex. This is going to be the hygiene talk, the call the shots talk, the know your body talk. And at the top of it, don't do anything that you don't enjoy. Do not refer to porn as a sexual resource, an educational resource as it relates to sex. Porn is entertainment. Porn stars are paid entertainers that are participating in a production that is cut, edited, and recorded to entertain. It is not a reflection of healthy or normal sexual behavior or activities. Again, porn is not a sexual resource. So with that said, first things first, know your body. Know your own body. Go to the mirror. Go, I mean, go back to basics. Get a mirror. Look at your body. If you can't see it from, 
with your normal purview, get a mirror and examine your body. Know what's going on in your private area. For women, know where your clitoris is. Know where your urethra is. Know where your vagina is. Know where your G-spot is. Know where your anus is. Those are four separate locations on your body in your pelvic area. I would even take it a step further. Go to a gynecologist, get an exam. Make sure everything is in working in proper order. Make sure you're healthy. Make sure your pH is fine. Make sure your hormone levels are fine. And I understand a lot of people are not going to take that step before they engage in sex. So let's just assume that you're not taking that step. Know your own body. Take a mirror, look at your own freaking body and figure out what's going on. Know where your points of simulation are. Don't expect someone else to teach you what your body can do. Your body is built perfectly to do whatever it's going to do. It doesn't need, it doesn't take someone, someone else is not performing magic and touching you in a place that only exists for them. That is a point of stimulation or a point of a point that exists on your body independent from that other person. It just happens to be that you didn't realize it existed because you you have not explored your own body. I am a huge proponent for masturbation. I think you need to know what you enjoy before you can expect someone else to take you there, someone else to make an experience pleasurable for you. And oftentimes, if you don't know what you enjoy, then it's very easy for you to continue to get into a cycle of having sex that is not satisfying for you. Um, I'm specifically speaking to women here because oftentimes women have very unpleasurable, have a lot of unpleasurable sex and don't even realize that it can be pleasurable for for them because they have been conditioned to think that sex is something that a man should enjoy or they've been conditioned to think that this that they should feel a certain way when they're enjoying sex or that climaxing isn't something they should necessarily always do or that climaxes for them is something different from what it actually is you have to know your own body you have to know what you enjoy and i'm a huge proponent of masturbation in order to achieve that in addition to that be hygienic. Take a freaking shower. That's it. Take a shower, put on some deodorant, spritz a little something on your wrist, elbow, on your wrist and rub it behind your ears. Do not put any fragrances on your private area, in your pelvic area. You will throw off your freaking pH. pH is real. Hormones are real. Your body maintains a natural state of balance, a natural state of harmony. When you go spraying perfumes and using dishes and summer eaves products and pop baby powders and all kind of crap, all kind of crap y'all are using to freshen yourself up as opposed to just taking a shower and letting your body do its own thing, you disrupt that natural harmony. And then your body goes into a frenzy trying to get back to its natural state of balance. And then you perceive what your body's doing to try to reestablish its natural balance as I might have a yeast infection. Maybe I have a bacterial infection. Something's going on. What is this mucus? What is this secretion? That's your body trying to get rid of that damn spray that you sprayed in your pelvic area. Do not spray anything on your pelvic 
area. Don't put anything that is not a gentle mouth. The same gentle mouth soap you're using to bathe with is what you should be using to cleanse yourself with. Don't try to put it inside yourself. Just cleanse the external areas. Your body will take care of itself as it relates to your vagina, your anus, all of that. It cleanses itself. You do not need to be, well, I mean, I can only speak on vaginas, but you don't need to be in your urethras. Don't try to force anything into your body to cleanse it. Your body's going to take care of itself. Um, ladies specifically, dishes, throw off your pH balance. Hormones, your hormones are spiking at different times of the month. So be cognizant of that. If you're ovulating, if your cycle just started, if your cycle just went off, your hormones are spiking. They're leveling out. And until they do so, your body is going to be... You in in an abnormal state of it, you know, it'll be leveling out. So you might notice secretions. You might notice a stronger uh, an odor that isn't your normal normal odor. And with that said, your vagina will never smell like roses. It does not. No one's vagina smells like roses. Don't get bogged down with trying to make it smell like sweet pea from Bath and Body Works. It's not going to smell like that. That's not how it smells. Your vagina smells like you. Every woman's vagina smells differently. Your vagina is not going to smell like anybody else's vagina. It should be a mild scent. It shouldn't be harsh. It shouldn't be foul. It shouldn't be unpleasant. You should know what your vagina smells like. You shouldn't have to worry about anybody else talking about what your vagina smells like because you should know what your vagina smells like, okay? Don't take your vagina round to Jimmy's house trying to have Jimmy explore your vagina for you when you don't know what's going on down there. If you are having an adverse reaction to something, then don't open your legs to somebody until that clears up or until you consult a doctor or until it clears up on its own. Do not take funky vagina over to somebody's house for them to go and blab about it and embarrass you. Don't even set yourself up to be embarrassed. Know what your normal scent is and once you know what your normal sin is, that will be the barometer by which you know when something is wrong. Because as this isn't my normal scent. Um, I'm having a secretion. I don't normally have a secretion. You shouldn't need to use uh, strong and harsh products on your vagina. It's a self-cleaning oven. It will take care of itself. And if something is wrong, go to a gynecologist, have them check it out. They will let you know. A lot of times it's just hormonal. Your hormones are raging. And so your vagina will be stewing in a, in a sense um, to allocate for the hormone imbalance. But it's stop trying to achieve this. The best thing you can do if you want your vagina to be, say, fruitier is drink a lot of fruit juice. Drink a lot of pineapple juice. Studies have shown that pineapple juice, a, a large consumptions of pineapple juice can be reflected in vaginal scent. So and even taste, some have said. But as far as putting suppositories in your vagina and dushing and all this shit that I see being pushed and peddled online and on commercials as far as getting your being fresher down there, your vagina is, is your vagina. It's not going to smell fruity. It's not going to smell flowery. It smells earthy. It smells, it, it, everyone's vagina smells different. It should be a mild scent. It's, it's your scent. In the same way that your pits 
smell when you get sweaty and worked up. Your vagina, you've been working all day, you've been stewing, it hasn't been airing out. Think about it. We cover our vaginas with panties and then with clothes on top of that. So this is why it's recommended to sleep in the nude and to go commando as much as possible to allow there to be circulation down there. That's why it's recommended that you wear underwear that are lined with cotton to absorb the moisture so that your vagina isn't just down there stewing in its own sauce so that so that moisture is being pulled away from your vagina so that air can circulate through the area. So be hygienic and that goes for dudes too. I have encountered so many young people on their way to a rendezvous via Lyft and they are funky as can be trying to go hook up with somebody. I'm just like, bruh, how, where, why are you taking this funk over there to try to hook up? You smell awful. Or I've had women in the backseat trying to prep themselves and they're spraying all kind of spritzes and sprays. And I'm like, girl, you're about to knock me out with all these toxins you're spraying. I can barely breathe. Um, you should not need to cover up with all of that. You should have, you should naturally smell well. You should, you shouldn't need anything to cover up your scent. Um, your scent should be a neutral, mild scent, but it is your scent. Vaginas don't smell like like flowers. I cannot stress that enough. Stop trying to achieve that. It is impossible. Um, I also encourage women to know what your vagina tastes like. You expecting somebody else to put their mouth on your vagina and you think it's nasty for you to do it? Why is it nasty for you to do it but not them? And then you're kissing them after they did it, so now you're tasting it anyway, baby girl. You need to know what your your own body tastes like. In the same way you can lick your arm and you can taste different foods and you could, you know, you've tasted, we've all tasted our own sweat before. When, if you're working out and it runs down your face, you might happen to lick your lips or something. So it's your own body. Don't be afraid of your own body. Smell, know what it smells like. Know what it tastes like. Know what it looks like before you serve it up to somebody else. And with that said, be mindful that protection, using protection is not just a protocol to protect you from diseases or to bypass pregnancy. It's also to maintain your natural balance. When you don't use protection, you are allowing someone else's pH and chemistry to infiltrate your own body so your ph will be thrown off just from the other person being in you without protection so protection will just create a barrier where their ph won't mix with your ph um you're already swapping saliva by kissing but to swap fluids to, to, to swap semen and vaginal fluids just carelessly is is really frivolous and, and really careless. You really should be more mindful and more protective of your energy, one, but also of your anatomy and of your chemistry and the biology of your body. Um, aside from those two points, I really just wanna encourage young people to not be afraid to call the shots, to not participate in sexual activity that you're uncomfortable with, to not do anything for the sake of someone else, to please someone else, to solely to please someone else, solely to make someone else have a good time, putting your, extending yourself in a way that you're uncomfortable with to, to please the other person is just not the move. 
One, don't even have sex for someone else's benefit. You need to sit with yourself and sit with information that is rooted in real uh, figures, real, uh, that is rooted in reality as it relates to sex and in, 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 as it relates to health, you need to sit with that information and then consult people that you can trust, not your peers, because your peers are figuring it out as you are figuring out, so they don't know. Your best resources are adults that you can trust and literature and resources, printed resources that, you can, that, are, that are accredited not your friends. Your friends are figuring it out with you. They don't know either. They're going to be the ones to tell you to spray some perfume in your panties and have your coochie all jacked up. Don't do it. Um, sit with yourself and decide when you're ready and know with assurance that you are ready to have sex. It's, it's your decision to make. It is no one else's decision. It's not your parents. It's not your spiritual advisors. It is yours and yours alone. And a lot of people end up regretting their first sexual experience for one one the big one of the biggest reasons is because they do it for someone else's benefit. They don't even want to do it. You do it for another person. You want them to like you more or they keep pressuring you or you want them to choose you over someone else they're interested in. And those are not reasons to have sex. Those just aren't. Sex is beautiful. Sex is sacred. Sex is spiritual. And it is not something that you should go into lightly. And it is not something that you should be pressured to do by someone else. It should be your choice, something that you are confidently choosing to enter into. And on every occasion, the first and every subsequent subsequent occasion, you should be having sex because you want to, not because anyone else wants to, not because you're feeling uncom- you're feeling pressured, but because you want to exchange energy and exchange spirits and exchange it, have that exchange with a person who is worthy of it. And I promise you, a lot of us made the mistake of having that exchange with someone who was not worthy of it on the first occasion and on many thereafter. Don't fall for that bullshit. Make your own decision and be sure. Be sure. My first time was regretful, as you can assume based on my tone thus far. Um, I didn't want to do it. I didn't know how to say no because I had experienced sexual trauma earlier in life, so I really didn't know how to say, I don't want to do this. And, you know, when the kissing moved to touching and then uh, graduated to the point that I knew we were about to have sex, I didn't really know how to say no, and I felt like, well, it's gone this far. I don't even know if I'm allowed to say no at this point. Oh, my gosh, this is happening. I can't believe this is happening. I just want them to hurry up and finish. And that... It was humiliating. And beyond that, the next day, the person went to school and told everybody. And I felt humiliated for years about it. Um, So don't make that mistake. And being pressured to do something you're not ready to do, you're not comfortable with doing, and don't do it to somehow bring a person into your favor because that never works. Sex does not make someone love you. It does not make someone care about you more and neither do babies. So do not have sex for those reasons. Um, 
And also be comfortable calling the shots. Be comfortable saying, I'm not enjoying this. Can we try something else? I don't want to do this. This doesn't feel comfortable. I'm not enjoying this right now. Uh, we exist in a culture that has existed for quite some time where violent sex is like encouraged. And right now in our music and in pop culture, there's this 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 climate of beat it up and, you know, um, break a back and make a no, you don't none of that. I don't know why any of that crap is being celebrated, but <coughs> excuse me. But that is not anything that you need to try to train yourself to enjoy. It should be innate what you're enjoying and what you're not enjoying as it relates to sex. And you should not feel forced to participate in violent sexual activities because it's being glorified in music or it's being glorified on television or it's being glorified in porn. Anything that makes you feel anything other than pleasure, that makes you feel pain, that makes you feel embarrassed, vulnerable, exposed, isn't healthy, a healthy sexual practice. And you need to be comfortable saying, I don't enjoy this. I want to stop or just stop and get up and leave. And you don't, you don't owe anybody any explanation, but don't feel forced to participate in things that you are not ready for. And also if you're having sex with somebody who's more advanced than you, who's more sexually experienced than you, don't let them make you feel like you need to become more advanced on a shortened timeline. Like you need to participate in things, you know, like you hear, I, you hear these stories about people wanting virgins to, you know, do all of these positions. It's just like, what are you talking about? I've never done this before. And it's painful. First of all, sex is painful. Your first experience and the, and the, the several that follow that are going to be painful. It hurts. That's just a matter of fact. It hurts. It's like opening a door that's never been opened before and there's no doorknob and the bitch is glued shut and you're just trying to find any way through and you're scraping around the sides and you're using any means you can to try to open that bitch up. That's how it is painful to have sex for the first time and it's painful several times up in, you know, it, it, it painful for quite a while until it's not. So do not feel pressure to do things that are more advanced because your partner is more advanced than you are. And you feel like you need to, you know, meet them where they are that first of all, if anyone is pressuring you to meet them where they are, as it relates to sex, that's not somebody you need to be having sex with. They need to be mindful of where you are. They need to be mindful of your comfort. You need to be catered to you need to be made to feel safe. You need to be made to feel comfortable and you need to be, it needs to be an environment where you feel like whatever is happening is a private exchange that you can trust to stay private. So I think that's all I have as it relates to sex. Don't do anything that you don't enjoy. Consider your hygiene, know your body, know what's normal as far as smells and secretions and mucus or anything of that nature. No, this is, oh, one more thing I want to say for women. Know what, know how long your vaginal canal is. And that's something that is important. That's one of the reasons it's important to get a gynecologist 
a gynecological exam because you can examine the tools. And one of the tools that they use to do your cervical exam when you go to get a pap smear is a speculum. The speculum is designed to be the length of a standard vaginal canal. It's about four to six inches, if I'm not correct, if I am correct. Um, And that is about how long the average vaginal canal is. So if you think about it, society kind of celebrates huge penises, but six inches really isn't huge four inches really isn't huge and if you if your vaginal canal is four to six inches and you're with somebody who has an eight eight inch penis where is that gonna go and they're telling you that you need to just take it take it like a champ they're encouraging you to put yourself in a harmful situation the only place that it can go is against your cervix which is at the end of your vaginal canal and people are experiencing trauma physical trauma there there I spoke to my gynecologist about it and she said she sees so many women and young girls who come in whose service cervix are damaged from rough sex in a way that sometimes it requires surgery sometimes it inhibits their reproductive capabilities you have to be mindful of that don't let someone tell you that you should be able to take a certain you know amount of pain or a certain size penis when your body is only built to take four to six inches baby you have to look out for yourself nobody else is going to look out for you the way you are aside from your parent your parents love you but when it comes to sex your parents are not going to be in the room So you have to be your own advocate and don't be convinced that you need to partake in rough sex with someone who has an abnormally large or enlarged a penis that's larger than your vaginal canal. They need to be considerate of the fact that they uh, are endowed well beyond what your body can can take and they need to be gentle and they need to be compassionate and they need to take it slow and not try to ram you like a freaking bulldozer so look out for yourself advocate for yourself speak up for yourself and wait and know and decide for yourself when you are ready and then be cautious be aware of hygiene what is what healthy hygiene practices are as it relates to sex and don't be convinced that you need to uh, do things to your body, mutilate your body or expose your body, expose your vagina or other parts of your body to harmful chemicals in order to reach some level of perfection that is unrealistic. Ain't no roses. Ain't no nobody's <laughs> nobody's vagina or other body parts. Nobody's body smells like roses naturally. So just be cautious, be smart, be safe, and speak up for yourself as it relates to sex. And I that is about it as it relates to advice for my younger self and advice for young adults. Um, I do want to close with a DM that I got from a listener about the last episode on shifting out of survival mode. I asked if it was okay for me to share it on this episode and they said yes. So I will close by reading this message to 
you guys. So it says shifting out of survival mode, exclamation mark. I loved it, static and all, but really such great content. I appreciate the storytelling despite the possible perceived vulnerability by a listener maybe. I say perceived vulnerability because I really didn't, don't see it that way, yet I understand how it could be looked at through that lens. I often find sharing my experiences empowering and not despite the emotional intelligence needed to grow, but rather because of it. Anyway, thanks for sharing. After listening to this episode, I had to finish walking my dogs in silence. I gave some really good long thought to the notion of planning each day and what I want out of it. Could I do it? Would I stick to it? How much would I gain from doing it? But I'm torn. Does that mean I lose room for spontaneity? I don't think so. But I bring this up to say that this is a bold move and an admirable one. As I type, I think I'm going to really give it a go. Another part of the episode really touched me, like tears welled up a little. It was when you spoke about the little things we do every day being special. Sometimes I give a lot of headspace to things that don't deserve it and I really and I don't realize that I'm wasting some very precious moments I have with people I love and also with my pets that are very special to me. And when I do realize it, I regret giving that headspace to the undeserving. And although this is not in line with your awakening from the party you attended, I know that I do not want to have feelings of regret in my life. I guess another way of saying it is that I do want to enjoy the spoils of my intentions for the life I want to live. So maybe knowing what you don't want versus knowing what you do want is just a matter of semantics. I could all I could talk about this episode for so long and I hope to do so with other people that I might get on board with the Fem Phenom each week. But for now, I'll get out of your DMs. <laughs> I must say again, though, well done and keep them coming. So I just wanted to shout out Kristen, who sent this message. Um, thank you so much for the feedback. It's really great to hear that listeners, people are listening and really being impacted by what I'm sharing. Oftentimes when I'm recording these episodes, it's more of like a digital diary for me to kind of talk through some of the things that are in my mind, some of the subconscious things that I'm dealing with. And I'm always hopeful that it helps someone, but to hear that it actually helps someone and makes them look at their own life differently, it makes them challenge themselves in a way that they haven't before. That's really amazing. And when I received this message, it nearly brought me to tears because I really have been in a huge transition lately. And even recording and getting these episodes up is a bit of a challenge for me. So to hear that someone is impacted and that someone is motivated to look at their own life differently based on me just sharing my own uh, experiences is really beautiful and really heartfelt. And thank you so much for reaching out to me to let me know how how my experiences and how me sharing my experiences is helping you. So thank you so much. Please keep the messages coming, any feedback you have coming, any questions you have coming. Uh, you can send any of that 
to thefemphenom at gmail.com. You can also hit me up on Twitter and Instagram or Facebook at thefemphenom. And until next week, take care.